today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks Hockey, a big trade in the Pacific Division, and the Ducks disappoint yet again. All of this on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning and a happy Tuesday to everyone. This is Locked On Anaheim Ducks, your daily podcast covering the OC's hockey team. Don't forget, you will get fresh daily content Monday through Friday about the Anaheim Ducks. It is Tuesday. The Ducks have played two games in two days. They were on the back end of a back-to-back in Calgary, Alberta. Spoiler alert, it didn't go well. Before we get into all that... I want to remind you that you can hear this podcast or any of the previous shows via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and like, comment, subscribe, most importantly. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks, or follow me personally at StimpyJD. We're not going to talk about the Ducks game right away. No, sir. No, we're not going to do that. In fact, we have some other news and notes to get to. And it is the trade deadline in less than a week. So there's a couple of deals that I got to talk about. The first one involves the Lightning and the Devils. Why am I talking about that one? Well, the Lightning acquired Blake Coleman from the New Jersey Devils. And the Devils got Nolan Foote. Yes, this is the same Foote that is related to Adam Foote. Of course, Adam Foote was the great NHL defenseman, most notably with the Colorado Avalanche, who had that memorable Stanley Cup run back in 96 and did it again in 2001. Of course, that was the Raymond Bork, you know, carrying the cup into the sunset Stanley Cup final. And there was another kind of interesting move that I thought was interesting. Uh, Zach Bogosian, who was waived and demoted by Buffalo, he didn't report to the Rochester Americans on Sunday. So he never went to the Amherst. So let's see what happens there. But the big story, the big trade that happened involved the Vancouver Canucks and the LA Kings. It's funny, I just talked to Justin Morissette yesterday. And in fact, I still have a piece of that interview, which will come up in the third part of today's show. The Vancouver Canucks acquired Tyler Toffoli from the LA Kings. And this two days after Toffoli got a hat trick on the stadium series in Colorado. Tyler Toffoli is now going to Vancouver, and L.A. got Tim Schaller, Tyler Madden, and a 2020 second-round pick. And the Kings also get a 2022 fourth-round pick if Toffoli re-signs with the Canucks. There are also still rumors that Vancouver is interested in Wayne Simmons. So be on the lookout for that. Those are three former Kings that could be on Vancouver. Vancouver currently has Tanner Pearson. Now they have Tyler Toffoli. And if they get Wayne Simmons, that's the trifecta right there. That's a very good move for Vancouver. Tyler Toffoli is a great scorer. He figures to slot in well on that first or second line. Imagine Toffoli and Pedersen on the same line. That could be really amazing. Or what if Toffoli and Tanner Pearson go on the same line yet again? As for the LA Kings, they didn't come out too poorly. Tim Schaller is a great player. Tyler Madden, he's a young player, only 19 years old. Yes, he has been injured recently, but that is a stellar prospect that the LA Kings are acquiring. And that 2020 second round pick could be someone very good. 
As was mentioned on a recent Athletic article, the LA Kings have the number one rated prospect pool in the entire NHL. So the Kings are continuing to build on the future and really replenishing their prospect pool with some top talent, something that they had not been doing in the recent past. Obviously, it did work out back then because the Kings did come away with two Stanley Cups in 2012 and 2014. And it's a cycle in hockey. You know, back in the mid-2010s, the Ducks were good. They had five consecutive division titles. The Kings were good. They won two Cups. The Sharks were excellent. The Sharks put some banners up. They had some deep playoff runs. And now look at this. All three California teams are down in the bottom of the standings. And teams that the Kings, Ducks, and Sharks were stomping all over just five years ago. Those are the teams that are now in the top of the Pacific Division. Vancouver, they were building with the draft. Calgary was building. You know, Edmonton was building really around a couple players. Well, okay, mainly around one player named Connor McDavid. And Vegas just had an excellent expansion draft. So really, it is that part of the cycle for the Ducks. They're on that lull cycle. The Ducks are building. The Kings are building. The Ducks have, I think, the fourth or fifth highest rated prospect pool in all of NHL. And the Kings are number one. So it's only a matter of time, folks. It's going to happen in a few years where the Kings and the Ducks will be back on top. And those are some of the trades that just took place. As far as scores around the league, there was a couple interesting ones that kind of caught my eye. Vegas defeated the Washington Capitals 3-2 on Monday night. Why was that one interesting? Well, guess who didn't score goal number 700, or much less, goal number 699 in his career? Alexander Ovechkin is on a bit of a scoring drought. I know I talked about Ovi last week where he was sitting on 698. He's still on 698. He hasn't scored since Hector was a pup. The next chance for Ovechkin to get 700, he'd have to get two goals against the Montreal Canadiens. That is a Thursday night game. After that, the Caps have one road game at New Jersey. That's a Saturday morning game. Then the following morning, they're back at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ooh, that's going to be fun. And then after that, they have another home game against Winnipeg. I'm beginning to suspect that I think Alexander Ovechkin is going to score goal number 700 in front of his home crowd. That's going to be fun to watch. And another game that was kind of fun to watch late night, Tampa Bay and Colorado. Tampa Bay had a lead. Colorado came back on a wild third period where Valeri Nikushkin tied it up in the third. Then it went into overtime where it was completely back and forth until finally Nikita Kucherov scored the game winner three minutes into the overtime. Tampa Bay won it 4-3. They're 40-15-5. They have 85 points already. That is a stellar mark for Tampa Bay, and they're doing what they did last year. Tampa Bay currently is second to the Boston Bruins, who are 37-11-12. Boston has 86 points. Tampa Bay has 85. You've got to think that Tampa Bay is going to be among the favorites in the playoffs yet again. Of course, last year they completely blew it by getting swept in the first round by Columbus. I did make a prediction way back in October that Tampa Bay 
would choke once again in the playoffs. I might stick with that. I might. I'm not so sure. And another game of note that took place yesterday was Calgary and Anaheim. And we'll talk about that game after the first intermission. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And as I mentioned, the Ducks had a heartbreaker of a game Monday afternoon. It was President's Day, so a lot of games were early on. The San Diego Gulls, they had a 1 o'clock game. And the Anaheim Ducks, they also had a 1 o'clock local time game. Sorry, 1 o'clock Pacific time. And that was, you know, the time of the game. It just happened to be that. So Anaheim was on the back end of a back-to-back. They come off a big win against the Vancouver Canucks on Sunday. So how would they respond on Monday? Well, they started off pretty well. They looked like they were going to win that game on Monday. Right away, first period, you know, shots were pretty even. A lot of shots, you know, they were pretty high danger chances, just nothing went across. Second period, Adam Henry gets his 21st goal of the season to make it 1-0 Anaheim. But then, Andrew Mangiapane gets his first goal of the game. Yes, I just said first goal of the game. His 11th of the season would make it a 1-1 tie on the assists from Hannafin and Kachuk. However, not long after that, Jakob Silverberg would pick up his 18th of the season unassisted on that play, although there was kind of an assist on that one, and that assist would come from the Calgary Flames. The only reason that goal took place was because Hannafin completely gave the puck away right in the defensive zone to Jakob Silverberg, who wristed it up close, and he put it away to give the Ducks a lead, and Hannafin looked pretty bummed after that goal. Hannafin knew he should not have given up that one. So the Ducks are feeling pretty good. Then, only three minutes into the third period, Nick Delorier, the newly extended Nicholas Delorier, if you missed it, Nicholas Delorier signed a contract extension for two more years at $2 million. That's a $1 million AAV. That is not too bad. That's actually a pretty good value for someone that's a heart and soul player for the Anaheim Ducks. So Nick Delorier... Got the goal on that one. His third of the season. At first, it looked like Derek Grant may have gotten that goal. But it actually went off a skate of a Calgary player. In fact, it went off the skate of, I believe it was, um, Michael Stone. Yeah, it looked like it went off Stone's skate on that one. So that made it 3-1 to one Anaheim. Things are looking very good for the Ducks. They look like they could be on their way to another road victory. But as the saying goes, a two-goal lead is never safe. I think that's how the saying goes. I know that's not how it goes. I'm just sugarcoating here. The Ducks played awful after that. That two-goal lead was not safe at all because only a minute and a half later, Andrew Mangiapane got his second goal of the game, his 12th of the season. That one was not a good one to give up, folks. No, it wasn't. Here's why. Corbinian Holzer gave it away right along the boards, right to Mangiapane, who had a nice backhand to make it 3-2. to two. 
Yeah, it seemed like Corbinian Holzer served that one up on a silver platter. It was that bad of a turnover. Andrew Magiapani looked at his puck and said, Oh, look what I found. Thank you. Thank you so much, Corbinian Holzer, for this wonderful treat. And then 19 seconds later, Sam Bennett gets his eighth of the season to tie the game up at three. So just like that, Anaheim would blow their two-goal lead in a matter of seconds. So it's three to three now. We go with about seven minutes left, and Matthew Kachuk would score his 20th goal of the season. Yikes. You thought the other one was bad. Adam Henrique gave that one away as well. Another Horrible turnover for the Anaheim Ducks. Kachuk would score on that one to make it a 4-3 game. And this one was kind of a loosey-goosey puck. You know, Henrik lost it right behind Ryan Miller. And Kachuk was pretty much there to pick up the loose change. And then not long after that, only a minute afterwards, Hampus Lindholm, another turnover, which would lead to another goal for the Calgary Flames. This one scored by Sean Monahan to make it 5-3 Calgary. Only with about a minute left did we see an empty netter. And Johnny Gaudreau had a nice play there. Well, first off, leading up to that sixth goal, yes, six goals again for Calgary, where Mangiapane had a nice hit on Ryan Getzloff, Johnny Gaudreau would find the puck on his stick, and recognizing that Mangiapane got the hit to get himself open, Mangiapane has scored two goals at this point. Make it three goals. Mangiapane would score the hat trick goal with less than a minute left to make it 6-3 Calgary. Uh, Devin Shore got a goal with about three and a half seconds left. It didn't matter. That was it. Calgary would go on to beat the Anaheim Ducks 6-4. And for the second consecutive game against this particular team... Anaheim has managed to give up six, six goals versus the Calgary Flames. That is awful. The Ducks have been inconsistent all season, and based on all the turnovers they had, there were some definite mental lapses. They did not look tired. Maybe they were emotionally tired, but this has been a very inconsistent mark on the Ducks all season long, are turnovers. That's been a big detriment to the team all season long, and it continues to really that game. And really, that third period is a microcosm of the entire Ducks season. You know, when they're good, they're very good. They played for about 40 minutes. Should they be encouraged that they had a 3-1 to lead on Calgary? Yes. But that all gets wiped away because they had one of the worst stretches of hockey Pretty much this entire season, when you have multiple turnovers lead to multiple goals, that is going to happen. Uh, Shots on goal. Yeah, Anaheim, they had some good shots for a while. Then Calgary took over. In fact, Calgary had 43 shots to Anaheim's 30. Anaheim had 10 shots each period. Calgary really turned it on in the second period. They had 18 shots on goal that second period. 13 in the third. So they really turned it on late in the game. As far as power plays, Flames 0 for 4. Ducks 0 for 2. 
No surprise there. Anaheim is still among the worst teams in the power play, despite going 2-for-2 on Sunday. That was just a complete shock. So Anaheim is still along the bottom feeders as far as power plays go. And I think I'm done talking about that game. The Ducks do return home Wednesday night. They have a nice little homestand where they play the Florida Panthers, the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Edmonton Oilers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then the New Jersey Devils. So they begin a six-game homestand beginning on Wednesday. And coming up after the second intermission, the rest of my interview with Locked On Canucks, Justin Morissette. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks. Kind of a segue from how disappointing that game on Monday was. It was disappointing that the Ducks gave up that many goals in the third period. And speaking of disappointments, we're going to talk about other Ducks disappointments of the recent past as far as their playoff failures. And we also talk a little bit about the supposed rivalry question mark between the Vancouver Canucks and the Anaheim Ducks on this final portion of my interview with Justin Morissette. So let's take it away for that. I don't know if there's anything left here to touch on, JD, before we wrap up. But uh, I, I, you know what? I, I here's one more thing that I want to pick your brain about. Does, do these games feel like there's something of a rivalry between these two teams from the Anaheim side of it? Because I used to think that Anaheim Vancouver was like something of a hot rivalry within the Pacific Division. But I don't know if that was just entirely fueled by the fact that you guys had Kessler and Bieksa. And now that they're not there, the fire's kind of gone out here. What, what's the feeling uh, as far as uh, Vancouver's standing in terms of how much you look forward to that opponent uh, in rivalry terms down in Anaheim? I think Josh Manson is trying to fuel some flames a little bit. Not the Calgary <laughs> flames, but different flames. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible pun. But, no, I like that. That was good. Josh, Josh Manson, for what it's worth, he's trying to, I guess, light a fire a little bit. And there's still that carryover effect because Josh Manson did play those big rivalry games. When you think about Vancouver-Anaheim, you think back to, you know, mid-2010s where Vancouver was winning division title after division title. I was going to say the 2007 playoffs when they met in the second round en route to uh, Anaheim-Stanley Cup was a, was a pretty hot series as well. Oh, that, that was a terrific series. One of my favorite series to watch just from a competitive standpoint in general. But even looking back to the performances in the mid-2010s, they were fired up. Both teams were very fired up because of those players that you mentioned, because the Sedins were still there, and they still had that fire. They remember those series. They remember 2007. They remember you know, other series where the Ducks and Vancouver Canucks played. They're not going to forget that easily, and nor should they. And I almost feel bad for the Sedins because those are two Hall of Fame players, and it just sucks that they never got a cup it does yeah well you know i uh it sucks that it never happened for ryan kessler as well even though i'm sure there were many people in the city who are extremely happy to watch him go down (laughs) to anaheim and watch nothing happen for him down there uh we are still trying to patch things up and mend fences with him uh, or he's trying to anyways, as his Vancouver apology tour continues and he he tries to make amends for the way he left this city. But uh, 
that that was like when he was still an active player. And I know he's still technically an Anaheim Duck, but he doesn't play anymore and probably is not going to play for the remainder of this contract, uh, given where his hip is at these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could barely walk out onto the ice during the Jersey retirement ceremony on Wednesday night, which is really sad to see. And I think that's part of what should help Vancouver fans appreciate everything that this guy did for the franchise here in Vancouver because, yeah, I'm sure he put some additional wear on the body down in Anaheim playing for the Ducks. But the majority of those injuries, the reason that he is never going to walk properly again for the rest of his life is battling through, uh, you know, what should have been debilitating injuries when he was with the Canucks. That 2011 series against the Nashville Predators in the playoffs, yep. uh, that entire 2011 run, that that's the reason why this guy can't walk anymore. But those games did have a certain fire to them when he was still playing because Vancouver wanted to prove that he'd f***ed up by leaving, basically, that he made the wrong decision, that that they were still a better team than the Anaheim Ducks, uh, even if the standings didn't necessarily bear that out. I feel like now that he's gone, uh, these are two teams that just kind of exist around each other. There was a little bit of heat, as you mentioned, from Josh Manson today, but on the whole... It's kind of too bad that I don't really feel it anymore with Anaheim, but I guess I don't really feel a rivalry with anyone anymore. You need to meet teams in the playoffs for the regular season. Um, it's a shame they've only met once in the playoffs. Well, I was going to say the Canucks haven't met anyone in the playoffs in the last <laughs> five, six years here. So, you know, they don't really have that fire with uh, a whole heck of a lot of teams at the moment. Yeah, uh, when, you, we'll see. when you mentioned playoff runs. That's changed pretty quick here. You mentioned 2011. Same thing with Anaheim in 2015. They had that deep run where they lost to the Blackhawks in the conference finals in 2015. And then you harken back to 2017 where the Ducks had another deep run but lost to Nashville in six. And it's been nothing but disappointment for the Ducks. I mean, yes, that many consecutive Game 7 losses at home. Yes, we've heard it all before. They lost Game 7 to Detroit. They lost Game 7 at home to the Kings in 2014. Lost in Game 7 at home to the Chicago Blackhawks. I get it. And, you know, Kessler really did work his ass off during those seasons. And he tried his damnedest. And now because of not just 2011, but 2015, 2017, it all just, you know, snowballed to where he's at now. Unfortunately, it looks like he can barely walk now. That's a shame. Yeah, he can't play, obviously, for the team anymore. But how is he received by the fans in Anaheim? What does uh, Anaheim as a fan base tend to think of Ryan Kessler at this stage of his career? Uh, I mean, they still like him. They hope, they're hope they hopeful that he'll come back. But it's looking, it's looking like he's not going to be able to play anymore. He might just, unfortunately, play, not play the rest of his contract and could possibly retire. So some uh, cap alleviation, perhaps, in the uh, years to come. We'll, we will see. But, yeah, uh, yeah. JD, we will leave it there for the day, I suppose. Always appreciate uh, these conversations with you. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. You're very welcome. We'll have to talk about video games at some point. Maybe during the off season, we'll talk about everything miscellaneous. We could talk Super Nintendo video games. We could talk wrestling a little bit. We could talk yeah, about anything uh, and everything. We were talking about that before we recorded. Yeah, we'll save that for the offseason, perhaps. But uh, a pleasure, my friend. Uh, Enjoy following this team throughout the remainder of this season. I know at this point, all you're thinking as we're in mid-February is that it will all be mercifully over soon. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in tank mode 
not so much like the LA Kings are completely in tank mode. But there's hope. There's hope for the Ducks. Hey, Trevor Zegers is doing well. We never talked about him. Okay, True. That, that's that's a conversation for another day. Trevor Zegers is the future of the Anaheim Ducks. If you saw the World Juniors, if you saw the Bean Pot last weekend. I was a little choked when you guys took him right before Vancouver picked after you at the draft last year. So I'll be honest about that. Even though I like Vasily Colson as a, as a prospect, I had my fingers crossed that Zegers was going to drop all the way to 10. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. One pick ahead. And now you see how Zegers is doing. Bean Pot almost hero and then scoring a couple goals past weekend against i think it was nor no i forgot who they played but boston university won again this weekend they could make the frozen four still maybe we'll see well uh, well you've got something to uh, keep you excited and yes yeah, something to look forward to otherwise dismal duck season but uh jd hernandez host of locked on ducks until we meet again uh down the dusty trail my friend always a pleasure Thank you very much. Always glad to do this. Once again, a big thanks to Justin Morissette from Locked on Canucks and Sportsnet 650. And kind of a neat little segue, we ended talking about Trevor Zegras and prospects. And lo and behold, I think we're going to talk about that for tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow we're going to talk about prospects and NC2A hockey on the Wednesday episode. So be on the lookout for that. And also, I want to open up the mailbag once again for the Wednesday show. So, for today, if you have any questions, feel free to ask me anything. You can send those emails in at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. If you have any questions for the mailbag, please send them on email. Or you can tweet me directly at LO underscore Ducks. That's my Twitter for LockedOnDucks. Or just, you know, follow my personal Twitter at StimpyJD. Once again, I'm going to open up the mailbag once again. I will answer any and all questions relating to the Ducks, relating to hockey. If you want a baseball question, ask me about, well, I I guess ask me about baseball. Although, like most baseball fans and most fans of the not Astros, baseball fans are pretty bitter right now. You could ask me about the NBA All-Star game. I mean, I watch that. Or ask me about, I don't know, pizza, my favorite food. Ask me anything. Mailbag episode will be tomorrow, as well as a look at the prospects for the Ducks. And I want to remind you that you can hear this or any of the previous shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. And once again, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. I'll see you at the rink and hey Anaheim, Ducks fly together.